Welcome to Connecting Greeks, a streaming comedy show and podcast designed to explore and enhance Greek culture around the world. Join hosts Angelo, Adi, and Foti as they bring you fun and interesting guests from all walks of Greek life. Grab a cafedaki and join us. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us for another amazing episode of Connecting Greeks. I am Adi, as always, or not always, but usually down in D.C., which was a 62-degree beautiful spring day. I was—I got the itch today just from feeling this nice spring weather. And um, joining me, as always, is Foti up in Boston. Hello, Foti. How are you? Yasu Ari, does that mean that you're wearing shorts because of the weather? Sortakia, yes, I am. And speaking of Sortakia, our friend all the way... That's always beautiful, sunny weather uh, in L.A. Angelo Tsarukas. Hello, Angelo. Hey, guys. Hey, Adi, hey, Forti. How's it going? How are you? Good, brother. Yeah, we all, it, it got cool today. It was 82 and sunny. Oh, oh gosh. He's the so only nice. good thing. The only good thing about California is the weather <laughs> right now. The rest of it, fiesta. That's it. It, it, it. Here he goes, what's going on there? I don't know what's going on here, but the weather's great. <laughs> That's it. Good we're, we're Let's talk like- about weather. We're medicating about it. You guys are good. We're good, man. We're good. What's going on? We have uh, we have somebody pretty damn interesting today. We got a great guest, as you know. Uh, uh, next month is going to be the bicentennial of Greek independence, mm-hmm. March twenty fifth, on my name day, the yes, most sir. prestigious name in the Greek language, Evangelos. <laughs> and um, our, you know, uh, I'm very always been intrigued with our guest, and I'll tell you why. Never, ever have I had a bad conversation, man. Um, he is a uh, a filmmaker. He is an author. He is a writer, television producer, uh, you know, a uh, documentary maker. He's made this amazing documentary we're going to talk about called Greece Year Zero, which yes. is uh, blew the socks even off the Greeks. And he's Mike Cubato. You know, wow. so I mean, it, it's even better. So... Uh, I'm so happy to welcome on to uh, Connecting Greeks this week, uh, uh, Danis Koromilas. Here he comes. Yasu Kubare. Yasu Kubare, how are you? Good, how are you? How's the family? Degree LA. Yeah, how's the family <laughs> up in Toronto? Good, we're in a, a massive civil war of two Greek Calabres kids, 15 <laughs> months apart, trapped in 14 months of... One house, and uh, we're good. We're good. <laughs> I'm happy to uh, to see your face virtually because the last time I saw you was your wife's birthday, and we flew in for 48 hours to surprise you. And since then, no, it actually, all went... we came up to Toronto. Remember, we came up for uh, Danny's birthday. Oh, that's Christmas right. Oh, after, that's right? I've lost track. Mm-hmm. Anyway, either way, last time. Kubato, it, it's been an unnatural 14 months because you and I, even though we live by coastal, shared experiences, shared parallel careers with uh, One Night in, in Athens and all that stuff, and your, your whole career, which I was a fan of. Look, here's where we are, and now out of uh, some kind of uh, loyalty to growing up Greek-Canadian, I have been uh, writing this book called Kalamata 21 which is the follow-up of Greece Year Zero. But I just wanted to say, Adi, Foti, God bless you, boys. This is a very beautiful and ambitious and wide-scoped thing that you guys are doing. The only thing I'm going to say is that when I was trying to do some research on you guys, (laughs) is that Adi, I found very pleasantly on Google and Yahoo, I mistyped Foti. It came up as food stamps. (laughs) That happens food from time stamps. to time. If you don't type your name in, it comes up as food stamps. And then I didn't realize, am I donating my time or more? <laughs> well, we got food stamps, stamos. That's a <laughs> isn't that Greek, though? I mean, you type in one thing and you end up getting nine different things. Mm-hmm. In a hey, thing. The fact that we're giggling at the same time you were in Montreal and I was in Toronto. The boys are East Coast. Uh, 
Midwest. It is a beautiful thing to continue this thing because, especially on the 200 year, all of us are from the same fathers and mothers. Yeah, 100%. Now, Dennis, we're going to get into it. I want to talk about Kalamata 21, Sparta, America, GYZ. But, you know, you've lived in New York. You've lived in Melbourne. You lived in Los Angeles, Toronto. You went on what they call a walkabout. And I I know you've been to Greece numerous times when you're doing the film. And I want to start off. Let's, I just want to start, if it's okay, I want to start off because, uh, you know, uh, Greece Year Zero won uh, numerous awards. And talk about an ambitious project. You worked on it for what, six years, seven years? It was six. Six years. And and Adrian Forti, if you can watch something that I was like blown away. And and if I'm correct, Dennis, even the Greeks in Greece didn't even know a third of the stuff that you had dug up on that film. Can you tell us a bit about what happened and what is Greece year zero? And then I want to get the Kalamata 21. All right. Well, to 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 really shrink it down. Yeah. Uh, around 2009, 2010, the Greeks got battered in the worldwide financial crisis as being lazy and this and that. And the headlines were good in the UK and Germany, even the US and all over. And I said, how does one country of 10 and a half, maybe 11 million people contribute to possibly Wall Street and German bankers and French bankers and everybody? They they attacked the character of the Greeks. So I went through a period of, even though I didn't want to, that wasn't part of my life at that point. Um, I looked at Greece from 1821 to where they were. And what is the Greek character? How did they end up in every other continent surviving, perpetuating, and making money and being proud, great guys? And families, women, and they're the cause. And I looked deeper and I realized they were the scapegoat. And then I went further into the Greek famine of 1941, where the German army took 14, 30 million livestock out of Athens and 750,000 Greeks fell on the sidewalk. And then I went further and saw that all these newsreels in America and the UK were talking about, oh, Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe Stalin, Uncle Joe Stalin, the last friend of the UK in the battle against the Nazi threat. But it wasn't true. The Greeks were the last country in Europe to fight Albania, Bulgaria, Mussolini's army, and the Nazi forces and hung on till the Battle of Crete. But when you win a war and you have production studios and publishing houses, your story never gets out the way it does in Hollywood. And I did it. And I did it. It took six years because because I'd been involved in screenwriting and some television episodic production. I realized I'm not going to make a film and put my name on it unless I can author every five to ten second frame every part of that film to make sure it's actually historically accurate which meant that i had to go to london to the imperial war museums the churchill war rooms and all that stuff the left wing in greece was wrong in the post world war ii the right wing was wrong in the junta of 67 and everybody since then has been wrong on politically but who has paid for it the regular greeks for political ideologies. They killed more people when the Germans left mm. amongst themselves during World so War II occupation. Truth is a very important thing right now. And and here's the last thing I want to say about Greece Year Zero, which, you know, Ert, when I went to finish the film, the Greek Prime Minister, uh, Samara, which I thought was wrong in that moment when he shut them down, maybe he wasn't so wrong. They were fat and a little bit very swaying to left principles and this and that. And they weren't doing a lot and they didn't help me. And when they were shut down, I had to go into the back streets of Greece, archives, personal archives, grandmothers that had pictures, people that had footage. In the end of the day, the only reason that my film ended up on Ed 
is because I walked down the middle line that everybody in the history of Greece has failed, whether left or right. And that's it. That's all it was. Edith is like the Olympic airways of television, right? It was like, really, everybody was getting cushioned jobs. And we're not criticizing. It's a fact of what we're talking about right now. Uh, Here's an airline that had how many? 30,000 employees for X amount of airplanes. The same amount of employees as, let's say, um, not American airlines, but let's say Alaska, a major American player. But the thing, Dan, is, and, and, this, and you make a good point here. And when I saw the documentary, which I hope 1490 will get a chance to see it. Uh, when I saw the documentary, what interested me was things I heard from my father or from my uncles. Like my dad left Greece in 1949 after Civil War. My dad said Civil War in Greece was far more devastating than World War II. Yes. He knew who the enemies were. So they had, my dad had to leave. He came to Canada with his sister, ended up at Pier 21 in Halifax at 15 years old, took a train from Halifax to Montreal. He had an uncle there, and within three days was working in a car wash in Montreal. Here's a boy from the village who's gone to somewhere he doesn't even know where it is and is working in a car wash. And and I think the thing I loved about Greece Year Zero, Dennis, and and, and this is attributed to you, and it, it, it has nothing to do with anything. It shows you really the resilience of Greek people. And you just said it. How many Greeks are in the world with uh, diaspora and Greece, 23, 24 million, maybe around that there's 7.2 billion people in the planet. Yet the impact of this little country in the Mediterranean sends shockwaves around the world. And it's a testament to the resiliency of the Greeks. Same uh, in World War II, who were the real people that fought the Nazi regimes, it was English. And like you said, the Greeks, the Italians lost. Mussolini tried to go to Metaxa. Oh, I'm just condensing it now. You're right. And yeah. they were able, the Greeks said no. Now, in fairness to the Greeks, and you've said this to me yourself, Dennis, the Greeks and Italians didn't really want to fight each other. They felt like they were fighting the same people. Yeah. So I think that was it. But the Greeks didn't, they, they, that was the first allied victory. And I know that because I watched your film. The first Allied victory in World War II was Greece the Greeks. over, Europe, uh, Albi- over Italy. Was Albi- the Albanian. And, you know, not yeah. to get mired into the historical stuff, but just just what you said right now about your 49 and my father's 63 trip on the Queen Frederica to Halifax. Here's what's important about the 200-year anniversary of the Greek War of Independence. It goes back to probably a couple of thousand years, drive up to Washington or go to Rome or Berlin or France. The pillars are the same. Washington, D.C., the Lincoln Memorial, Jefferson, National Archives, the Capitol, everything looks exactly like it did 2,200 years ago. And people will call you, ah, you're just too proud to be Greek. You have no connection no lineage to that because it was all broken up over um, uh, Greeks, city-states, Alexander, Philip of Macedon, Alexander, the Romans, the Byzantine, the Ottomans, this and that. But the truth is that look around the world, roam the world. Even Syria, they blew up the Roman temples four years ago that were Roman temples that were for Apollo or Dionysus. The Greek influence has been present and is still present Bravo. even today. And yeah. so when you say you want to be proud, well, you don't have to be proud. Look at National Geographic. Look at how Washington, D.C. still looks like ancient Athens. Am I making this up? No, no. I mean, you know, it's Very funny because, you know, Dan, I was in Nashville, Tennessee doing shows. And you know, guys, for the World's Fair, they have a, a total replica of the Parthenon. That's right. And, and I freaked. I go, uh, we went, uh, my girlfriend at the time had come with me. This is years ago. And we were there. And I, is that the Parthenon? And the guy goes, yeah, they made a, you know, it's it's sort of uh, crumbled a bit in Greece. They made a full two-scale Parthenon in Nashville, Tennessee of the wow. Parthenon. And we had we had uh, lunch by there. And I was like, Wow. And I go, and I go, what's this where is the world's fair? Like in the early 1900s, they made this in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, Ange, Ange, 
when I send the film to Adi and Thorti, there's a frame that looks like an ancient Greek theater. It looks like a period piece, a black and white shot that I lifted from somewhere. It's from Tennessee, a remaking of things in the 1930s. You're absolutely right. So we're not, we are braggarts. We brag all the time. We brag, especially against Italians. Mm. And I'm married to an Italian. (laughs) We brag all the time because everything, good or bad, is from us. The mob is from tyrannies and stuff from Laconia, from the Maniatas, from Athens. We're the best and the worst, and that's what we did for the rest of the world. We're going to be the best and the worst. I'm going to, you're right, because where's the, where was the Greek settlements in Italy? They were in Sicily and Palermo. And who was it? The Maniates were the ones in the Greeks. That was all Greek. And they still have the names and Greek speaking Italians. So they're and we're the ones that taught them, you know, the Macaronadas about all this stuff. Look, here's, here's what I could say right now to, um, to, to kind of make a little bit of a capsulization of Greece Year Zero. When it happened, I did it to remind people, are you kidding me? This little country is the last, the last bastion of what you guys had left. We delayed Hitler's Barbarossa to get to Russia. We dragged their asses into Crete and then to Russia. And of course, Stalin just threw hundreds of thousands of unwelcoming soldiers that were going to get shot either in front or from behind right from Stalin the and when when it came out um there was a great comment I got from a York University professor a friend of mine it's either a Saki or uh Chris Grafos he said congratulations you finally have uh, brought forward a revisionist history of Greece and I thought to myself I've never heard the word revisionist before until 1992 when uh, Clint Eastwood made Unforgiven and he won all those Oscars. And the, the Academy Awards, they called Unforgiven a re- revisionist masterpiece. And I thought to myself, why is Unforgiven a revisionist masterpiece? If he did it closer to what had happened, with the cowardice and the massacres and the bullshit. Why is he revising it? Isn't his the real version and the the romanticism of the Wild West, the bullshit? So when these professors emailed me, I said, why am I revisionist? This is the, this is the real version. Why do I have to be called a revisionist for what actually happened with Greece actually doing what they did but they didn't have the movies and the books and the propaganda post 1950 to prove it revisionist means when you hear revisionist in my books now it means that you got to some accuracy Mm, right wow exactly let me ask you because this is along the lines of what we've been talking about for every culture and this is why i admire uh, the Jewish culture and the Israeli culture, um, uh, th- they are constantly reminding their people about what what they've gone through. You know, my wife's Armenian. They had a genocide, you know, and th- they never got recognition on it. Hitler was quoted as saying, who remembered the Armenians? Um, <clears throat> you know, and then I find sometimes people say to me now, and, and this is delicate what I'm going to say, but they say, well, I was on a cruise ship once doing a gig and, and I, I met these black African uh, people smoking cigars and they go, you don't understand the plight of the black African and the slave. And I said, you're right. I don't, but I hate to tell you, but you're not the only people that have been enslaved. And what I meant by that was in 1922 in Atlanta, Georgia, there were signs in restaurants saying no blacks, no Jews, no Greeks. Greeks would open restaurants serving black African people. I'm telling them this now. I said in 1964, Selma, when they crossed the bridge, Dr. Martin Luther King, the head of the Greek Orthodox Church in America, who was told not to do it, walked alongside Dr. King. So I said to them, look, I can't sit here and tell you, but there was a point in time where my people 
were enslaved by the Ottomans and slaughtered. And, and my wife's people were marched out into a desert. So I think what the thing is, and you said it earlier, the propaganda of it, I think the Greeks, that's why we have words in the Greek language nobody else has, like philotimo and, you know, uh, and, and, all, and all these things where we, we understand the plate. And I think at the end of the day, the cradle of democracy, as we know it as Greece, is the place because we have Philotimo. We regardless, we can fight amongst each other and we can disagree on things. right? And I think what I liked about Greece Zero, Year Zero, <clears throat> when I watched it, was regardless of the famine and the wars and the friggin' politics. And and you know, all the communists took all of Eastern Europe, but somehow they failed in Greece. And then the junta, which you cover. And then the, I mean, there was so much that it's amazing to me how this country, and we're all products of that. We and are. that's what I tell these guys. And, and I was able to say confidently, I go, I'm not saying that your people didn't suffer. That's that's a wrong statement. But I will say we empathize with it. We, we sympathize with it because we understand it. And I think at the end, end of the day, that is something I truly believe separates Greeks from almost anybody else on the planet. What do you think about that? I, I, that's how I feel. Like, well, look, Adi, Foti, look, I know we, I, I, I didn't mean to monopolize the, the whole thing, but okay, you're the I guest. have to say oh, that absolutely not. just, to, just to, to say something. The fact that this, even this, uh, this uh, moment is happening is we're discussing um, good things and bad things. And Ange, I appreciate that. And you saw it. Um, I was very neutral. It's very easy to make a film about historical things and lambaste one side of everything. True. You didn't do that, though. I could have done that and done two different versions of the film. One to appease a HAPA and one to appease the Greek America Foundation. And I could have done that for the sake of what? A couple of bucks? Really? After six years? No. This is the truth. The, the real the real truth about Greeks are, as it's eroding, especially now in Kalamata 21, which is going to be a problematic essay book, because if you were alive and well in the 70s and growing up and going and marching for March 25th, 1821, you thought that Greece won the war in one day. After 400 years of slavery, the Greeks just marched from Kalamata won their country back. But that's not the case. And it was not taught to us in any way. And even Ert, when I was dealing with Greece Year Zero, they said, how do you know this? Or how did you straddle this line? Because Tsipra was in power when I was finishing it. And he was a left-wing guy. And they still accepted it because they, they were, in a way, being diplomatic. Yeah, yeah, we did also. But I didn't go to hammer anybody, but Greeks are very difficult people because the Greeks own history. In Cairo, in Alexandria, in Rome, in Venice, in the lagoons, in the Black Sea of the Ukraine, the Greek people have pretty well... Odessa in the Black Sea is is based on a Greek name of the Trojan War. We own the world, and now we own all the greatest battles and massacres and everything else. But on Kalamata 21, this is the true story of what I've seen happened in about 140 pages. Yes, we had to go. We had to do Sorry, Dan, is this going to be a book or a uh, film? The book is already in process. Now it's going to be an e-book. E-book. On the panmacinian.ca website. By Easter, it will be a physical book but it's called Kalamata 21. It's an anthology of pieces of essays that I've written and Kolokotroni's diary, the Filikieteria, the friendly society that operated from 1815 to 1820 in Zurich, in Venice, in Rome, in Vienna, on the Black Sea, in Moscow. They figured how we are rich, great capitalists, but our home used to be Asia Minor or Idra or Chios or Athens or wherever. And they realized we can probably, since Napoleon failed, maybe we can get 
the Moriabak, Peloponiso, which you, Kubare, you're, you're a magnate, because I know you hold grudges, and you are a Spartan. <laughs> total Spartan. You're a total Spartan. Well, here, here's the thing, because my mom's a Nishotisa, as you know, Kubare. She's from Mitilini, yeah. formerly of Smyrni, before they threw them all out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and it's uh, Mikrasiotas. And they're more like Liaki, they're more open. And, you know, my dad. Yeah, because yeah. they had money up. running through their islands for so, 300 years. It's, it, it's, it's, I mean, my dad never liked my mom's family, to be honest with you. He thought they're all commies. And he's from Sparta. And their, and their motto is if we don't understand something, we kill it. That's Sparta. And to this day, and you can see, honestly, I know it's a joke, guys. But you can see the personality types from the Peloponiso, from Sparti, from Mani, Molau, all those places down southern Greece. And you know, if you're going to go to a war, or if there's going to be a fight at a bar, those are the guys you want behind you. Because <laughs> they're not backing off. And I realized that, but then, because somebody said to me, you're, you know, you're a comedian, you're an actor. I go, yeah, I think that's more mom. You know, and I think it's more mom. Mom was, you know, she's delightful and she loves people and she's always joking. And dad's like, tiki right? Like there was no, it was, and my brother is very much like my dad. You, you are, you're probably the first uh, post 250 pound hybrid of the gentleness of the islands and the maniati. Black Irish, Vendetta, Spartan Greeks. Post 250 pounds, you're the hybrid of your mother and father. You know, <laughs> but it's true. And you know what's funny? It's like most of, like my wife will say this because I, I can be an asshole. She goes, I don't get you. You're like so funny sometimes and you're so caring and you're so gentle. But then when it comes, like, and this is, and, and then when it comes to business, or things that got to be done, I'm totally my dad. That kicks in. My dad would say to us, I don't care where you guys go all night. Eight o'clock in the morning, you malakas are going to be in the store. He didn't give a shit. He never tell us not to go out. He could care less. You're in the store, man. I don't care. Because I did the same shit you guys did. It was tough love, but it made you know, me the person I am. You know, uh, Ange, before I actually even go into Kalamata 21, I want to tell you that in my research of uh, Greasier Zero, I found these university testimonials and PhDs and all that stuff. They talked about uh, literature and uh, archetypes of characters. And there was Dionysus, wine and song and, and passion and this and that, and vengeance and Apollo. The sun, work all day. Don't worry about it. Military. And yep. the Greeks have been bipolar since mythology. The sun, the fun, the stuff, the partying, and wake <laughs> up. It's time for work. We've been the most bipolar race that is in the history of mankind. Uh, and my name is Dionysus. Coromilas. I'm Dionysus. Nyonyo <laughs> in some parts, yes. but to to move into Kalamata Twenty One. Yes, let's. What now? Tell us about Kalamata Twenty One. That's got to be one of the funniest things I've heard. So Kalamata, well, Kalamata Twenty One is. That's what we're here. Tell us. All right. So <laughs> I joined up five years ago with uh, uh, an old friend from high school, George Lahaki, who became president of the Pan Messinian Association in Toronto, and. He went after me and I said, I'm trying to finish a film on the 200-year history of modern Greece. I got no time. He goes, just help me out. Come on board. And I said, I'll come on board only till the 200-year anniversary. I want to make it good and I want to make it historic. And I'll help you if you are invested. And he was. Well, in the last five years, it went from 800, 900, 1,000, 1,100, 1,200. And last year in Toronto, we got to 1,100 people on March 3rd, one week before the shutdown of SARS, which half of the people in the dance were 60 or 65 and over. We never got our shot 
at the 2,500 to 3,000 dance for the bicentennial of the Pan-Mycenaean Association, which we deserve because for five years, we have eclipsed the Greek community and the Northerners and everybody else. We were the deal. Because of that, in view of everything else, I said, I will dedicate a year of my life to write this book. And that's what this is about. That being said, yes, there are essays from historical things and this and that, but this is the only way that we can actually contribute a legacy to the 200 year because we're not going to do the 2,000, 2,500 person dance. But what we will do is this book, Kalamata 21. And by saying that, I'm telling you that I found the same worry. What I found out in the 70s and even 80s and 90s was not true. We didn't win the war, man. It took another seven years. We slaughtered. They slaughtered. Right. The Greeks to get to where they got to in 1830 was a complete... You couldn't make a movie about this. It would have been like Genghis Khan and the Mongols killing all the Russians or the Highlanders or the worst war movie you ever saw. The only difference is that I've found the balancing point is that 370 years in Kalamata, the people live like slaves. They live like slaves. Their children could be carted off, retrained, and brought back as guards. So the Greeks finally in Kalamata, March 23rd, 1821, said, we're going with the Filiqueteria and, and, of course, help from Europe and everything else. But the reason it's called Kalamata 21 is because Mavro Michali, on your side of the Mount Paietos, right, the king of Mani, he shouldered up, and Papa Flesa was there too, and we took over Kalamata and Messinia and moved up to Tripoli and everywhere else. And that's the only reason... And some of it is going to be dire and not looking good for the reputation of Greek soldiers or captains in 1821 to 1824, based on English, French, Prussian, Russian interpreters. But I've never found a perfect revolution without slaughter and this and that. And the Greeks, whatever they did, in Tripoli especially, they learned from their oppressors. If there was beheadings, they knew it from the people on top of them. Right. They beheaded the Ottomans that once ruled them. Period. That's it. There's no perfect revolution. The Bolsheviks were the last example. And how did that work out? But in the end, as we speak tonight, February 24th, 2021, Greece regained the islands after World War II because of their forever historic fight for Albania and the Metaxa line and how they fought with the British and in Cairo and in Crete. We got our islands back and we got Thraki back and Macedonia back in 1912. The only difference right now that I see that I'm exposed to historically for Kalamata 21 is the Turkish government, which is still involved in Cyprus, in Nicosia. And they're still charting waters on Greek islands right now as we speak. They have no, I'm not worried about getting a lawsuit from the Turkish government ever. Right. So, you know, because you see even the news reports, if you're on social media, you could see that they're uh, mounting up on a lot of the islands that they feel, because, you know, after, like you said, when they divided them, I don't think uh, Turkey was interested in them. And then they realized later the uh, profitability and the accessibility that they provided. And I think you're right in a sense now that we're celebrating the bicentennial. And, and, you know, I think it's important that people, they say, you don't know how to go forward if you don't know what happened in the past. Right. Right. Great. Great. And and I, and I think what you're doing and I think educating a lot of people to understand even now, like now they're upset, you know, Greece got new, uh, those new Sparta, it uh, was F-16s. Americans are uh, giving them to them. Israel, is refitting them. The Emirates and Israeli Air Force is doing maneuvers with the Greek Air Force. And this is just because they're like, look, you know, I mean, you we can, they, they're, they're, I know there's a lot of diplomacy going on bef- between Ankara and Athens. But at the same time, they keep invading it, the Greek airspace coming back. 
I, I know Cyprus is, is another issue on those things. And what's that little, is it Castellorizo? Is that the little island? Castellorizo, yeah. Castellorizo, where I think was it, uh, um, uh, what's his name, Mitsotakis went to visit, and the Turks said it was a sign of uh, um, of a threat. Why is that a provocation? <laughs> Pro- yeah, provocation. And then I'm thinking, it was, well, look, he's the Greek prime minister visiting a part of Greece. He's entitled to do that. So they're looking, you know, when somebody's like, you know, when you're in a fight, and the, you don't want to fight the guy, but the guy's trying to find a reason to fight you. So he's going to try to poke you. And you did, you looked at my sister or you, you said this, it's that kind of shit. So I think it's important though, because those are minuscule, not, not minuscule, but I think it's important that, because I know how brilliant you are and what you do. Uh, uh, you wrote a show <laughs> called the bridge and you did all these other great things and documentaries, but at the same time, uh, you, I think we share the same uh, spirit of Hellenism, and the boys are this Adium Forty, and I think a lot of people are. Do you find Dan is that? See, in Canada, it's a little different. I found in America, and I'm going to go off topic for a second here. We were able to um, speak Greek more freely. I'm not saying maybe Boston or the Northeast, not so much. New York, Boston, Chicago, they do, but I found in other parts of America. I mean, people from like Nebraska. And from Kansas, who were Greek, and they spoke Greek in the home, but they were scared to speak it in public. And one time I was at a Greek restaurant here in L.A., and I'm talking to the guy in Greek, and he kept answering me in English. <laughs> and I go, Why? I go, Yetimo apandasta anglica. And he looks at me and goes, where are you born? I said, Canada, Montreal. And he shook his head. Because I think... In America, and I'm not saying all of America, that's not fair. That's not a fair exception. But I found in Canada where you could say, see, here's the difference, guys, between Canada and America. We're Greek Canadians. We're in America, you're American Greeks, I think. And and all I'm saying, I'm, I live in America now, so I love America. I'm just differentiating my upbringing in, in, uh, in could, a Commonwealth country. Right, if, I add, if I can well, add that, Angelo. Sure. Is that to your point, growing up in Boston as a child, yes, we spoke Greek in the house, but when we left the house, my parents wanted to also make sure that we spoke the English language from right. an early age because of different um, insecurities or different um, views about how we would be looked at as a Greek family living in a predominantly Irish neighborhood back in the 70s, where back in the 70s, it was in Boston was, you know, was a, a pool of racism going on with different cultures. So we were, afraid, we were afraid to speak. Yes. Southie? Southie, yes. So I grew up in Southie as a kid. And, um, I, you know, as a four-year-old, my dad had a little diner in South Boston. And I got to witness the busing era days where um, wow. I watched, you know, Irish youngsters throwing, you know, rocks and bricks at school buses that were busing in kids from the black neighborhoods. And my dad used to say, you know, don't speak Greek. Mimila uh, Silnica, you know, you know, uh, so that, that was planted in my head as a as a four-year-old living, you know, growing up in Boston, where you know we had to adjust for the fear of our safety. Uh, Adi, did you have the same experiences? I gotta say no, because um I grew up in Boston, uh, and I grew up in a predominantly Irish neighborhood, not Southie, in, in a place called Somerville. Uh used to be called Slummerville. And my I felt that way when I was out on my own, but at home, my dad is like, no English in this house, Greek only. We're only speaking Greek. I, I want you guys to, you know, be proud of your heritage. Like, no matter what anybody says, this is who you are, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I got that vibe from home. But being out, you know, and speaking a foreign language, being mm. in Boston was always like, you know, a, an iffy thing. But at home, like my dad was just really hardcore about keeping the Greek and speaking Greek and never like, you know, being scared of who you are type of stuff. I want to commend you on your English. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. So that's cool. But so Dan is Kalamata 21. We're looking forward to it. I got to ask you, because we could talk to you like five hours here, but we, we don't have five hours. We'll go so- again after the. No, no, a hundred percent. We're gonna be. This is really. Right I, really I think the guys are in on this too. Adi Fonti, love it. Absolutely. Sparta America. I love the title. Can you briefly tell us what is Sparta America about? Because I think I know what it is, but 
What's your vision of that? The smart American? Well, um, you know, just so you know, Ange, the guy that's actually editing it is Marcus Durian in L.A. Oh, hey, yes, yes. Well, I know he's Marcus for sure. Filmmaker. And yes. he's a Philippine, yep. Canadian, New York guy, whatever, <laughs> cinematographer. His, uh, his film, Fishhead, has actually uh, won some awards now in 2020, 2021. Spartan America is Spartan America. I did a little parallel of who wins if you go one way with culture and this and that, or Sparta. I know Frank Miller and the 300 Spartans and all that stuff. That was a great 350 to $500 million project. But the truth is, Athens has possibly three and a half to 4 million people living in Athens. And Sparta has 60,000. Yeah. Is it? It's about right. So. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. On. Is that true? Kubane. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. All right. So Good now... So now going on that same premise of the greatest societies ever, I saw what Trump was doing in 2017, his first year in. And I said, he's got a point and sort of the other people got a point. Who's more careful? Who's more soft? Who's left? Who's right? Who's this? Who's a leader? Who's a leader? The Athenians had tyrants. The Spartans had tyrants, oligarchs. But the Spartans removed them quickly, quickly. And I did this historical timeline of Sparta America with end of World War II. Eisenhower wants John F. Kennedy to become president. And that's it. And it happened. And all the way till 2020, who expected 2016 for Trump to become president? And how do his last four years measure up to when conservatives and liberals faced up to all the wars and internal wars and civil wars of leadership of where the Spartans and Athenians dealt with it. And if you go the Marine way, which is, you know, the U.S. Marines use the Spartan code as their code. How do you last? How do you last longer than 200 years? Because Sparta only lasted two years. Hundred years, and the Chinese are at two thousand years right now. So my cinematic essay of Sparta America is unadulterated, unequivocally left or right. Sparta America. Here are your leaders from 1950 to 2020. How did they deal with the same shit that they've all dealt with for 70 years? The Shah of Iran, OPEC. Turkey, Russia, Ukraine, everything, uh, civil rights, Vietnam. Vietnam crossed over four presidencies. Iraq, everybody blames George Bush. George Bush got the notion in March 2003 with 98% of Congress. They approved it. They approved it in a full, full. And the Democrats later on say, Ah, you did this, you did that. Even Obama said that. Iraq part two is all of America, not George Bush. It's the Democrats and Republicans. That's why my favorite writer, Hunter S. Thompson, when the 9-11, when the towers fell and he said, he wrote this book called Kingdom of Fear. He wrote about it days after the towers went down. And he said, someone's going to pay. We don't know who's going to pay, but someone's going to pay to appease. And that's what we keep doing, appeasing. But in the end of the day, as far as Greece and Kalamata 21, yes, the Greeks slaughtered too. They did. But guess what? They won with European help because the Europeans loved them. Their descendants, their ancestors were great thinkers. And now these Horiatas, these farmers, they didn't know what they were getting into. They were just hacking away. But Greece does deserve where they are and their islands and Thraki. That was theirs for thousands of years. Turkey should be comfortable with Turkey. It's all they ever did. It's all they ever did. Yeah. It was a a third Armenia, a third Greece. They jammed it together. And now because, you know, they they do have a big economy. They have their own internal problems, by the way. You know, they have their own issues. Erdogan 
I think, staged a fake coup. I think the world knew it. All of a sudden, he showed up as the hero. And with all these other things that are going on, it's nice to know. But, you know, Dennis, when you look when you look at now, because for me, uh, I think the preservation of uh, our culture in any way, shape, or form, uh, what, what, what we're doing right now, with what you're doing, what uh, Adi's doing, what Forti's doing, you know, <clears throat> I think... We have, I think, and we, I'm not saying you have to make it your focal point because we, we do live in the Western uh, world, but it's there. Like right now, somebody said to me on a podcast, what do you want to do now, Ange, that you're, I said, I want to go to Greece every year. And they go, really? I go, that's all I want to do. I go, you know what? I'm tired of the politics in California. You know, I, I live in America. Last week I went with Russell to Florida. Everything's open. Then I come back to Nazi communist California. Everything's closed. So I'm confused. In five hours, <clears throat> you got two different factions of people living two different ways in the same country. The same country. So I we don't know. My wife's, you know, wash your hands, put your mask, wear your Purell. I'm not saying COVID doesn't exist. It does exist. We all know it exists. But how is it that a one five hours away, they have a complete total attitude? Texas, Nevada, uh, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida. It's like it doesn't exist. Canada, I know, curfews and all kinds of stuff. So I think what's happening now, this period of COVID has given us more time to reflect. And I'm starting to realize, Kubata, like for me, it's a lot of horseshit. And maybe ancestrally, or maybe it's in me, my eight-year-old says, Daddy, I want to go to Greece. My Armenian-American wife says she wants to go to Greece. And I'm thinking, you know what? So do I. I'm just fed up with the Malakias. I, I and I mean, I'm just like I understand we got to deal with it, and I understand that we need. We have a bicentennial coming up, which is unfortunate because Greece is on lockdown. I'm hoping they're going to be able to open up in a month to do some things to celebrate it. But at the same time, I'm just like fed up, you know. And that's why people go to Greece. Why does the world go to Greece now? Hollywood, everybody in the world is going to Greece, man. They, they do, but not 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 in this March. Cubado, I, I, I empathize with you. And the fact that you went to Florida to Trump country, uh, good for you. But the truth is that the we're discussing this is because we haven't lost anybody. Yes. The U.S. Right. has lost more people than they did in Vietnam over this thing. And you're talking um, about Florida? And uh, Korea. Well, I get it. Other, and Korea. Yeah. Come on. And Korea. And like, and, and those people, and as far as Ontario goes in Toronto, your old birthplace, Ontario and yeah. Quebec, yeah. in 13 months, I know personally, people could even go to the cemetery or to the last rites. Yeah. You think just because it was it was more applicable to people over 68 or 72 and they had precondition, precon, preconditions... They never got their send-off properly either here in Toronto or Woodbridge. It, yeah. Italians that I know and, and, and Greeks that I know and in Montreal and Florida. Don't flout it, Cubano. Don't flout it. This no, is... No, I'm not. I'm not. No, no. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying, Cubano, is how can I live in the same country? I'm not... I, I went to work. How can I live in the same country with two different... That's what I'm saying. I understand. It's a, it's a big country. You know, our right. country is as big as like, you know, so many places that have multiple countries. And, you know, you just have the chances that you and I and Foti and Dennis will, will succumb to something like COVID is very low. But that's not the point. The point is that you have to be selfless for the weaker people, for the people who may succumb yeah. as 500,000 did succumb. And that's why there's these these arcane... Which is more than Vietnam. Yeah. Right. But see, what I'm saying, though, guys, what I'm saying, though, I was freaked out. I've been on lockdown for this long. That's what I was trying to say. Maybe it didn't come across right. What I'm saying is that I went there, mask in pocket, Purell in pocket, took a COVID test when I got off the plane. It's not bragging. I just couldn't... I couldn't wrap my brain around it. Like, how is this happening? Like, well, I, I, I mean... And then we went for like six days and then we came back, took a COVID test at the airport. Now we're back with my family. And I know it's a real thing. And I'm not, I know I've, I know I have friends who've died from it. I have friends in Canada who died from it, but is it, is it, 
I know we've gone off a bit, but it, it's a mentality, I think, that, you know, people are just, I, the thing we can't control is human behavior. I think that's the one thing we cannot control. I think you're right. And just to, to, to put a cop on it, I think California and, and Florida are going to end up with the same ratio with different ways about it. And it's going to look bad on both govern, governorships. It was going to happen anyway. Florida and California are going to have the same. The difference is, I think, that Florida, the places that I've been to, they own houses and they're over 60 and they're retired and they're wealthy people and all that stuff. And they're going to be fine. And California will be fine. I think we're all going to be fine here, Kubata. Just to lighten the moment, now that I've got my avenue for one second. In 2005, before I married my wife, I went to the comedy festival in Montreal. Yep. And I went to come meet you for a a coffee. I remember. The minute that I walked into the hotel lounge and I saw you there, even though I was going to be on my best behavior with my girlfriend, whatever, because she was working with you in the industry... The minute that we locked eyes, you lifted up out of your seat and you embraced me and put meat hooks over me. Like we had known each other forever from forever in the middle of a just for last comedy festival in Montreal in the spring of 2005. And I remember, holy shit, he beat me to it. But you did that. (laughs) And Danny, my wife still says, why did you and him do that? And I keep telling you, I go, that's our DNA. It's true. Yeah. It's our DNA. I heard about I knew, you. I, I knew you as much as you knew me. Right. It didn't matter. And you know, it's funny because your uh, your wife, who I, uh, I adore, and is also my agent in Canada, but I adore her and I adore your family. I adore all of you. She looked at me, she rolled her eyes. Like, you know, because she's like, you Greeks. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I said to her, it makes, and I said this to her, you're right there. I go, it makes me happy that you upgraded by being with a Greek. <laughs> oh. like, if you know her, she doesn't take no shit. It's hey, just hey, just the record. Back then, she was a Nissan Murano. She's in a, a Mercedes Benz now. <laughs> so, Dan, is, because this hour went by really fast. And we had so much fun. Oh, no, 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 no don't great. apologize. This was great. great. And we and I love I love talking to you because we don't always agree to everything. And I love this. I love that. I love this because this is who you are, and that's why I adore you for this. I want to get. Oh, we're going to finish off because Forty always has a set of questions about being Greek that he's going to ask, uh, and they're light questions. But before that, uh, I want to give a plug out, and Ari's going to follow it up. So, what can people expect? Uh, to work, uh, social media and where to find stuff after they watch this podcast where they can find your stuff if they want to research it and look for it. <laughs> All right. Panmacinian.ca. Panmacinian.ca okay. is the website for Kalamata 21. Okay. That's really what I'm doing tonight. Okay. My perfect. stuff is going to come after Easter. Daniscoromilis.com for everything else. But right now, my volunteer work is Kalamata 21. I want to record the best version, honest version of 200 years of how we got free. And it's not pretty. Okay. Well, that's great. So, uh, you know, uh, pan, uh, pan Messinian. Dot CA. Dot CA is where Kalamata 21. Yes. And then Dennis Cormelis, that's going to come afterwards. That's after. Increase year zero. So that's great, man. Well, I mean, I'm going to pass it on uh, Forti and Ari, but um, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this hour went by like this. And I, and I know we could go on for three hours with you. But we're, we're going to do this again for sure because we're going to come back with other stuff with you. Yes, we will. But I, I want Adi and Forti, I'm going to send you now, what, a Vimeo link to the Grease Year Zero yes. so they can see it? Absolutely. Please. I, to love that. I want it too. I want it too. Love that. All right. So let me know and I'll send it. Adi, Forti, thank you very much. God bless you guys. Of course. Absolutely. This has been a, an, a not just a pleasure, but an honor. I've truly enjoyed listening to your uh, your thoughts, your views, and you put things into perspective because now I'm more than intrigued to learn more because of what you just presented tonight. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to keep this uh, relationship going with you ongoing. Thanks to Angelo. It's a curious. That's a very gentlemanly compliment. No. I love when people are classy and 
and looking forward. That's what. I, that's all I do in my life. How can I learn more? Dennis, that, Dennis, that's good old food stamps right there. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, Dennis, we, you know, we also would like to know a little bit about, about you as a person and as a Greek, Greek American, Greek Canadian. I'm going to ask you a set of questions so that our audience right. can know you a little better. But before I ask those questions, real quickly, uh, where are your roots in Greece? So my father was born in Poliani, Greece, the same birthplace as Rigorios Dikeos, Papa Flessa, one of the top five rebel and martyrs of the 1821 war. Okay. One of the most controversial men in that whole seven years. So, the, And then uh, both your parents are from that part of Greece? My mother was from originally Zagarina Bakoromilia, outside of uh, Messini. Okay. And the Tserpei are brilliant people also. Excellent, excellent. So... Uh, Danis, tell us your favorite and least favorite Greek food. Favorite? Spanakorizo. Okay. Very nice. Uh, Worst, that goat mangling death of (laughs) Easter Saturday night. What's that called? What's that? Oh, my goodness. My goodness. The of the Turkish Empire. Make sure we take notes of this, Ari, so we have comparisons of every <laughs> Excellent. Moving forward, um, can you tell us some of your parents' favorite sayings to you as a kid growing up? Anything that sticks to you that you remember your mom and your dad just kept drilling into your head? It was probably something me as Greek parents do. <laughs> like I, some of the examples I give out was, you know... No, don't, don't worry about... Exa- it's not about examples. Ah. It's about me metering and filtering... <laughs> How not? No to, filter here. No. My filter. mom turned seventy-seven on Wednesday. Bless her. Not to hurt her. Not to hurt her. Not to hiasia, Angela. Uh, so I would say one of them would be Elithia. <laughs> zone. Zone. <laughs> yeah, but that's. I go with zone. Zone. <laughs> <laughs> We're all very familiar with those for sure. Oh, yeah. Hey, Bob, and add. Tiskidonias. Tiskidonias. <laughs> yeah. They always put like you're in. not part of even society. You're like, shit. <laughs> not just the zone in the house. You're a zone in the whole community. Yeah. You couldn't make it out there either. <laughs> oh, man. This is great. This hits at home. Uh, and the last question, uh, Danny says, you know, as Greeks, I feel that we're super into being superstitious. Uh, any superstition that you still live by or do you? Or maybe not. We're too hard. We are. That's deep right there. Yeah. That's kind of like a, is that more of a statement or a superstition, you know? They're tied together. (laughs) (laughs) They they, they tie it together. Excellent. Well, that was, you know, that was very, uh, you know, for me, listening to all of our guests, including yourself, Don, is the the things that we point out really resonates and hits home how we grew up as Greeks around the world. And we're all the same. We're all Thank the same. you so much. I know we are. And, and so is Michael Bada. But that is actually a truthful answer. I am personally too hard on my sons. I know that right now. And it's, uh, it's a cycle of how we grew up and how our parents grew up. And, you know, they probably had it harder than we did. But they instill those. Well, and then, you know, I'm sure that it's something that, you know, it, it's coming from a place that you feel is the best way the soft the softness that happened in the middle right now between me leaving my parents house and spending all these decades in (laughs) new york and la and doing on my own and surviving like angelo did (laughs) and now he has one daughter Um, daughter you got i now have to realize my kids my sons I would never let them <laughs> go to New York City in 1991 in the middle of a crack mm. epidemic and uh, to write. <laughs> I'll kill them before I let them go. <laughs> Isn't that funny, huh? I drove okay, from I got to Vancouver smoking weed in a convertible. <laughs> you know, and I, Pupas, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go do Akhudulyasa. My dad, Aswanapaya, my mom was still crying about it. My dad, Aston and Apai, they beat us. He's 19 years old. No, that, and that's the thing. Go be in a, 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 a
Well, just to, before I I I, I fly off, is there another question? No, that was that was that was that was the last one. That's it. That actually is the most important question I could have asked tonight because I feel I've been way too hardcore on my own sons because that's how I got here. No one else did the shit I did. And I know right now my sons for Greece or even Italy, their mothers at Calabres, they're never going to do any of this shit for them. Mm. I'm the last of the wine. Ah. I'm the last of the wine. Well, that's why we got That's why you got to publish all that stuff you got, Kubata. Uh, Kalamata Twenty One. You're leaving a legacy, and that's what impresses me about you. But look, I love you because love the you best too. line in any documentary I've seen in the last ten years is when you, when the wind started blowing. I don't know why the LA Greek Film Festival fucked it up like they did, <laughs> but on that note, when you said. Too many people died for me to keep my last name. That's true. And you That's made true. that moment in that documentary, and you went yeah. back to La Cornea. It moved my heart forever. Like, you are a man. You say, Kyrios, you're a fucking Levendi man. You, you, are, you are what I consider my contemporary. You are a fucking hero. But when you said that moment, and then they just spliced it up, they gave the half to the fucking L.A. Greek festival, and they didn't put the whole thing in. I'm still pissed off with L.A. I know. They didn't like that response when I said, they asked me why I didn't change my name in Hollywood. I said, too many people died for me to have this. Bravo. And they were like, wow. I said, yeah. I mean, I, I, why would I change it? And I know. You could shorten it. And, and now it's like, you know, name shaming. You can't do that anymore. So maybe we were ahead of our time. But I, I didn't comp- <laughs> I never compromised. If you don't know how to say Tsarukas, learn how to fucking say it. That's my name. And I would never compromise it. And that, that's why Dan is <laughs> We had a lot of fun at the film festival, though. <laughs> so anyways, we're going to get You know what? Sorry, out. boys. We're not, this, I don't want to make it a very intimate that. thing, but Adi and Foti, listen, I want to tell you something. I love you guys for doing this. You guys were fantastic. And um, I believe that you guys will have some legs to this. Let's get through this March 200 year thing and let's uh, share. You guys have already been doing a great job. I'm sorry for going talking too much, but uh, please don't be sorry. You're, 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 the, best, you're the best kind of guest. You're the exact kind of guest we want. We sit back and, and listen to entertaining, fascinating, interesting stories. And, and that's what else. This is why we do the show. All right. If that's the case, I'm going to give you one last <laughs> story of the first story of me and Angelo Saruja before he became godfather to my son, Lucas. Oh, there we go. I came out for meetings in L.A. I stayed in Russell Peters' house off the Cuenga Pass. We hung out. It was good. We had cigars. We had good times. And we really had... A, elaborate conversations about the industry and this is now 2008 2009 this is now like a long time ago but during that time Ange, which i found uh, a levedi like i'm telling you the truth Ange lucas for me was like i i, I went to high school with them we went over to Hagia sophia we did the thing we went to we went to good friday and i had to show up greek morning sunday for greek uh, Anastasi in Toronto, but Good Friday, Ange and I agreed that we would go to Hagia Sophia in downtown LA by Papa Christos, and we go have lunch. We talk to Papa Christo. He talks about Toronto and the Boulevard and the greatest Greek town ever: Australia, Chicago, LA, New York. Toronto wins. So me and Ange go in to the cathedral where Tom Hanks and all of them are going to sit at some point. So we sit down and I look up and I see Jacob and all these crazy, wild Greek Orthodox revisions of kill your son. If you don't believe in me, this and that. And Jacob, and it's horrifying for me. And I went to Greek school and Sunday school till 16 years old. So halfway through, I tell Angelo Saroukas, look, I love you. I'm glad that you and me came down here for Friday. Hold on. 
I'm glad that we came down here together, but if I look up at the capital dome of Hagia Sophia and see Jacob slaughtering his son, I don't feel good about Easter or Good Friday. I don't want to be heretic, but I don't want to embarrass myself in front of you. Is it okay if we leave? And I look over, and fucking Saruja is... <laughs> I fell asleep. He's passed out. <laughs> passed out. Staring at the dome of Hagia Sophia <laughs> and snoring on Good Friday, 2008, 2007. And I went, I just did my penance wanting to leave. I'm going, so then I watched him for a bit and he literally, <laughs> I went, okay, Ange, why don't we go back to Papa Cristo and we'll get some takeout for Russell's lady? He goes, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And I was free of any Greek Orthodox guilty conscience. That afternoon when I said, I know we came together and I, I want to share this with you, but do you think we should leave now? And I looked over and <laughs> <laughs> we went to Papa Christos. We bought, oh, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me do this. Santorini shrimps, spanakopita, wines, this and that. And we had our night. And and Kubata, just so you know, yeah. Montreal and Toronto played that Sunday afternoon. That's right. Do you remember that? I remember that. I'll never forget. You know, I forgot about the church thing until you brought it up. But, oh, good times, Kubata. Good times. Well, look, man. Well, listen, I, I just, I, I want to say thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for the stories. Thank you for the, the knowledge. Thank you for everything you brought to the table. Thank you for speaking so well and, and you know, making our jobs easier, just sitting back and, and getting educated and, and, and fascinated by these stories. So You're I, giving I, me a way out for babbling the whole time, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for me doing that. And Foti and Kubare, Angelo, I love you. You love are... You, you are, listen, for you, for, for me, you are one of the greats, buddy. And you always will be. Okay? I feel the same way about you. Thank you, Adi and Foti. I appreciate it. I really thank love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to have all uh, Dennis's information linked up. And we want to, once again, thank you, Foti, or Food Stamps. And thank you, Angelo. And and Dennis, thank you for giving me the best uh, nickname for Foti that I, I can think of. It's awesome. And don't you. miss a hey, one letter will get you from <laughs> Foti Stamos to food stamps like you've never known. Thank um, you so much, guys. Bye, everybody, bye, thank dad. you. Yes, and we will we will see you again, Dennis. I'm sure. Thank bye, you so dad. much. Have a great Thank's night. Thanks, everybody bye. out there. Bye bye. bye.